So, as we head into, back into the fall, right, boy, can, you can feel it in the air, boom, right, there it is. But uh, one of the things that's readily apparent is that summer can knock our rhythms and routines out of whack. Anybody uh, experience that, <laughs> right? You just kind of get off. And the assumption is that, well, okay, it's fall, and we can just step right back into them where we left off at the beginning of summer. But that's not always true, right? It's not quite that simple. Uh, once we lose a routine, once we get out of step with it, it's sometimes hard to get them back, even uh, if we know what we're supposed to do. We, we saw that uh, example, a living example of this, in the Summer Olympic Games in Tokyo uh, this summer with arguably the greatest women's gymnast in the history of Olympic sport in Simone Biles. Before we talk about what happened, let's remind ourselves of how incredibly dominant she is. Watch the clip up on the screen. Just, that's the video, but just how dominant was she? Here's, here's her list of accomplishments. In 2016, she was the first female gymnast to win four gold medals at an Olympics. 2000, 2015, first gymnast to win three consecutive all-around world titles. 2019, won five of six gold medals at the World Championship, and she broke the record with 25 medals by any male or female gymnast. We are talking about absolutely dominant. She went from that kind of domination to withdrawing from this year's Olympics. The reason? The twisties. Right? That's what they were called, the twisties. The twisties are something that happens to gymnasts. Basically what they are is as they do their routines and contort through the air the way you just saw on the screen there, what happens is all of a sudden they're no longer able to spatially judge the move anymore. And this can lead to bad crash landings or, at worst, severe, severe injury. We've seen some of that in the past. I just have way too much respect for her to show clips of her struggling in her routines, but if you saw some of that, it, it's pretty horrendous. She couldn't even do basic stuff. But this brings up a very interesting point. What do gymnasts do to recover from the twisties? Right? Well, the answer is that they have to go back to the most basic, basic routines that they learned when they first started gymnastics. That means they had to go back to like when they were four or five years old and what they did back then. And you know, gymnasts aren't the only ones who deal with the twisties. We as Christians can also get out of sync or off balance as well. It usually starts quite innocently, right? We miss a Sunday. Uh, we get interrupted in our reading. It's summer and our schedules get thrown off. Uh, we're going to bed later because it's light out till 10. We go on vacation. We come back from vacation, usually in the ensuing chaos that follows that. Uh, we miss church again just because it's summer. And the next thing you know, it's fall and we have the spiritual twisties. And to add to that whole, that this whole thing, we have the whole COVID mess and the politics and the mandates. And we, as Esther said, it's just really easy to get our eyes off of Jesus and just get all twisted up. 
we get out of sync spiritually and we've lost our momentum. I used to feel close to God, but now I don't. And we're not talking rookies here. We're talking about veteran gymnasts and we're talking about veteran Christians. People who have walked with God for a long time. Could that Christian be you? And if so, how do you get back on track moving forward spiritually again? Well, like Simone Biles, who had to go back to the ABCs of gymnasts, as a matter of fact, she's still doing that, uh, we have to go back to the ABCs of the Christian life, basically back to basics. What is first base and how do we get there? What are we talking about? Well, here's the ABCs of the Christian life. ABCs of the Christian life are first quiet times, that's spending time in the Word. Second ABC is prayer, that's learning how to talk to God. Third one is fellowship, that's learning to love each other and be together and spend time together. And the fourth one is sharing our faith. <clears throat> let's take a look at each of these, but before we do, let's, let's seek the Lord for His wisdom and guidance this morning, all right? Father, this morning, whether here or online, I know this is going to hit home. I know this happens to us. I know what it's like to try and re-engage. I know what it's like to come into fall and feel out of sorts. And Lord, we seek you this morning. This morning is not about doing all the right things. This morning is about presence. It's about abiding. It's about being with you. And Lord, we seek you for that. Would you help us as father, as dad? We cry out to you, Daddy, we need help. We need help to track with you. Our world is incredibly distracting right now. And Lord, we seek you as we spend time this morning that we would come back to that very first love that uh, we knew when you first saved us. And Lord, that you would be all and be our all uh, this morning. We give that to you in your name. Amen. All right. Okay, so, so we come into the fall. One thing that's nice about fall is rhythms, right? We have all kinds of rhythms. Uh, there's the work rhythm, right, that, that comes into place. There's school rhythm. School helps because you've got that rhythm for families. Uh, there's the fall rhythm, right? Days are getting shorter. It gets dark quicker. I know I got up this morning and uh, came. it was dark again. No sunrise, no peak, no light, no nothing. Like, oh, here we go. <laughs> Any of the rest of you feel that? Right, uh-oh. Uh, there's the neighborhood rhythm, right? You know how the neighborhood summer, everybody's out, everybody's talking, the kids are in the street biking, and then pretty soon what happens? It gets cold, the rains come, the door, garage doors close, and you don't see each other till March again, right? That's kind of the Northwest fall rhythm. It's very distinct here. Uh, but of all these rhythms, the most important rhythm of all is the God rhythm. It's our relationship with God. Uh, around Christian circles, we call it our walk with God. And the idea there, many of us walk, is that you walk with. It's very easy to walk ahead or walk behind. But the idea here is that we walk with God. Alongside God, our God-given pace. Keeping in step with the Spirit. So what happens? Well, sometimes in summer, we give ourselves permission to step away from or out from obedience. Phrases like, oh, I'm tired. I need a break. I want to have a little fun reverberate in our thinking. And by the way, the source of those thoughts should be examined and held up to the Word of God, which is hard to do when you haven't had a quiet time since last June. 
Right? Do you see how this all compounds together and kind of ties in? So fall comes and it offers us an, an opportunity to get back on track, to get back in line, to get back in step with our Lord. And the very first thing that needs to get lined up is our relationship with the Lord. We have to reconnect, so to speak. Usually that starts with a good dose of humility. Uh, we're so good at that, aren't we? Uh, a coming back under, a coming back under what, you would say? Well, a coming back under his authority, a coming back under his protective covering, admitting that we need that, a coming back under his grace, a coming back under his leadership. It comes with the understanding that I'm responsible for my Christian life, but I'm not in control of my Christian life. What does that mean? Well, that means Jesus take the wheel is more than a song. It clarifies the issue of control. The question is, who's driving the car of your life? Are you driving or is Jesus driving? And if you're holding the wheel, something's wrong. Because I guarantee you, the car's going to crash. Sometimes, just like with our kids, we have to be reminded of the order of things. It's easy to get the cart in front of the horse and have it backwards. So with that in mind, let's remind ourselves of some basic things that we all know. I'm not going to say anything new to you this morning. This will be basically reminding of everything that we already know. But the first basic step is a quiet time. A quiet time is, a, is basically defined as a time a person spends in the Word of God. Look at Colossians 3.16. It says this, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Notice the word dwell. It doesn't say, hey, read, punch out your five minutes, you're done, and go on with your life. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and spiritual hymns, and, and I'm sorry, and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Right. Notice again that the, the, the word dwell in us, richly, the idea there of it's, it's soaking through us. I don't think any of us are surprised that our poets and musicians have turned scripture into treasured songs that we carry with us all through our life, right? You ever find yourself humming some of the stuff we do on Sunday through the week and just the song stays with you? That's, that's part how this works. And notice the end result of being in the word is not knowledge, it's not self-righteousness, <coughs> excuse me, it's not uh, holier than thou. The end result is thankfulness or gratefulness that we of all people spending time in the Word should be the most thankful people on the planet and the most grateful people on the planet. If your quiet times aren't doing that, you might want to re-examine motive. Okay? But the Word is more than just a warm fuzzy. Look at Hebrews 4. It says this, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. We'd say sharper than a razor blade in our culture. Right? piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but we are all naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. The old King James was to whom we must have to do. In other words, the one we have to stand in front of. The idea that you can't hide anything from God. Have you ever tried to hide something from God? I have. How well has it worked for you? 
It didn't work for me either. <laughs> but somehow we convince ourselves that we can get away with that, and we can do that, right? And here it says God sees all that we do. He knows everything that we do. And so we have to be accountable to him and be aware of that. The word is a scalpel. It cuts right through our walls, our defenses, our self-rationalizations. It's surgical, which means it's incredibly sharp and precise, and it's penetrating power to look into our souls. That's one reason that people don't like to read the Bible. As I've said many times before, it's a spiritual microscope. It doesn't create what's wrong, it just reveals what's wrong. And again, that's why people take this and they go, I don't want that to speak into my life. I don't want that to talk to me. I don't want that. I, do, I want to pretend this isn't real and accurate. And so they just shut the book and they think by shutting the book, they've shut out God. No, they've just shut out the only source that can actually tell them what's wrong. Helps you understand the mind of God. Helps you understand our own mind. Helps you with a renewed mind. And so therefore, it's really important. Uh, there's an old saying, and the old way it was put was like this. This book will either keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. Right? That works. Now, <clears throat> many of us, where's it, where are you going with this? All right, I'll tell you where I'm going with this. Many of us started reading through the Bible, right? We, we had a Bible reading program this year, and we, we've given you four or five different ways that you can read, and many of us were reading through the Bible, or we took the challenge to read through uh, the Bible uh, in the New Testament in the beginning of the year, and probably uh, we have gotten derailed through the course of this summer. And I have an easy solution for you this morning. Here's the solution. Confess that, repent, pick the book back up, and start having quiet times where you last left off. It's that simple. You have four solid months to be back on track and let God's work speak back into your life. Two chapters a day and you read through the New Testament twice in six months, which means if you started today in the New Testament, you'd finish it before the first of the year. Two chapters a day, you'd finish the New Testament. You have four chapters a day, you'd probably get halfway through the Bible, you'd probably get through the Psalms, and that would be a long way into it, and you would have really gained if you were already there, and you're somewhere around Psalms, Proverbs, that means you could finish the Bible yet this year just by four chapters a day. If you have a hard time reading or have a, a, a reading disability, you can now download the audio Bible and either listen or read along as you listen. It's never been easier. Uh, my wife Pam personally loves Bible recap and uh, for this, and uh, this is her strong recommendation. If you've never looked up Bible recap, look it up. Come talk to her. She's sitting right down here this morning. Wave your hand, honey. That's my wife Pam. She loves Bible recap, so there's a shout-out for her. And I would just love to, I'd love to add this commentary. There have been different times in our lives that it's been important to be in the Word, but there has probably never been a more important time in the history of Jesus' people to be in the Word, the Bible, than right now. Right? We have been through some things. My suspicion is we're going to be through some more things. I don't think this is all going away. I don't think there's ever been a time that's more important to be in the Word than right now. I strongly exhort you to be a person of the Word, to read your Bible. We have lots of creative ideas how to do this. Ask us. We'll be glad to help. You're saying to yourself, Pastor Steve, I am so sick 
of hearing you remind us of this. And I have a deal for you. You start reading, I'll stop reminding. <laughs> How's that? Number two, second ABC of the Christian life, prayer. This is a commentary by S.D. Gordon who look up his life. Layman, not a pastor, layman, powerful ministry back around the turn of the first century there, uh, 1900s. The greatest thing anyone can do for God and man is pray. It is not the only thing, but it is the chief thing. The great people of the earth today are people who pray. I do not mean those who talk about prayer, nor those who say they believe in prayer, yet, nor yet those who can explain about prayer. Uh, but I mean those people who take the time to pray. Isn't that a great quote? Amen, I love that. The Christian life begins with prayer. You know, think about when a person asks Jesus in their heart, that's a prayer to God, right? That's how the Christian life starts, is with a prayer. The Bible is full of prayers and prayers. But like reading the Word, there's a secret. You actually have to pray. Prayer in its simplest form is talking to God. But we all know there's lots of barriers to that, right? There, there's my walls, my past, my sin, other people's sin. That would tip us into bitterness and resentment. That's a whole sermon unto itself. My relationship with my earthly father, time, schedule, obligations, responsibilities, etc., etc., etc. Right? But ultimately, I have to believe that my father in heaven loves me. That Jesus provided a way that not only can, conver can conversation happen, but I have access to God's heart 24-7. You know, you can wake up at 3 in the morning and pray. If you wake up and you're sitting there going, I can't sleep. What am I going to do? I could pray. No, that would, I, I, what could I do? I could pray. No, right? You know, you just should get it over with and pray. You'd probably fall asleep a lot faster. You spend more time worrying about not praying than you are actually praying. If you actually just prayed, you'd probably fall asleep, right? And what I'm saying is that we have all kinds of opportunities and moments. Uh, some of them are longer in duration. Some are arrow prayers, it's pew, 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 right? But we have all kinds of moments to pray. Uh, I have been coaching and uh, the, the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, so who teaches me and coaches me how to pray. It's so helpful, right? You can read stuff about prayer. Uh, but the question is this morning, are you praying? Again, I can't think of another time in history where it could be more efficacious or effective to pray than right now. There are a lot of things going on in our world. By the way, do not just watch United States news. Watch Australian news. Watch Israeli news. Watch England news. I mean, there's stuff going on. If you've watched, uh, Central Europe has been on fire and flooded all at the same time. It's astonishing. There's stuff going on that you don't hear a peep about in our press, nor will you. So get outside of that and start looking and start watching because there's lots of stuff going on in the world that you can pray about. Uh, I'll give you an example how fast this happens. Haiti, just the earthquake in Haiti happened just three weeks ago. What have you heard about it since? Shh, crickets. They're devastated down there. It's 90-some degrees. It's hot. It's humid. There's mosquitoes. They have no shelter. They're living out in the open. They have no food, and they have no clean water. Put yourself in there for three days. Now it's been three weeks. 
But largely, they're out of the press because it's not the latest hot thing. Those people need prayer. We have to stand with them. How about the Afghani Christians? Now, a lot of them are martyrs right now, okay? You don't need to pray for them. They're already in Jesus' presence. But there are lots of things that we can pray about. They indeed, our brothers and sisters in Christ, need us. Again, summer can throw us off. We can get out of sync. Uh, nowhere is that more true than husbands and wives. You know how I've emphasized the importance of husbands and wives praying together and that that's the foundation and protection of this church. It's what affords this church to function the way it is, is husband and wives praying together. Husband and wives, you can see this coming far right, left field, right? Here it comes. You know exactly where I'm going with this and you know exactly what I'm going to say. Husband, wives, are you praying together? Good golly, Pastor Steve, we are so sick of you always reminding of us of that good again start praying i'll stop saying we need to be praying together as husbands singles you don't get out of this who's your posse particularly when it comes to prayer who's in your prayer group singles you need you know you need to have one you need one you're easy to pick off. It's easy to be lied to. It's easy to be deceived if you're all alone. And Satan is very good at what he does. Who is praying with you? You need somebody. First Thessalonians says this, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another, and to everyone. Rejoice always. Here's the key phrase. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Again, open invitation to join us in the morning. We meet every Sunday morning before the services in the cry room, right in the first room right there, and you are welcome to join us. All right. The third ABC of the Christian life is fellowship. We're going to devote all of next week to this topic. So we're not going to go into it very much right here, um, but just uh, to point out how valuable and important fel fellowship is. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 says this, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, that means you're his son, you're his daughter, because of Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross, you, yes you, me, yes me, get to go into the holies of holies and talk to Jesus. What a privilege. Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, his death on the cross, what they're saying here, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. How do you draw near in prayer and fellowship? Repentance, obedience, and prayer. Then it says this, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. Uh, in other translations, we say the confession of our faith. Without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works or good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, 
but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. It is very avant-garde and boutique to say, I don't go to church anymore, I don't need church. I worship Jesus on my own. I have news for you, a lot of people say that, but they don't do that. Why? Because it's with others that also love Jesus that you really start to figure it all out, right? Think of the people who led you in the Lord. Think of the people who admonished you in the Lord. Think of the people who are your friends. Think of the people you met and prayed with. How important is that? There was an old guy who was in his 90s, and they said, so you've gone to church all your life, right? He goes, yep. Can you remember any of the sermons? Uh, not many. He says, well, what good was it then? He says, well, my wife, she cooked for me for 70 years. And he says, I don't remember all the meals, but I can tell you something. If I hadn't eaten them, I wouldn't be here. Right? And it's kind of like that with fellowship, right? Yeah, I can't tell you all the times or everything we've done, but I can tell you what, if it hadn't been for them, I wouldn't be here. Fellowship is so critical to hanging together. We're, again, plant that in your thinking. We'll come back to this one next week. The fourth ABC of the Christian life is sharing your faith. We're going to hear a whole lot of this when James kicks off the fall series entitled, Who is This Man Called Jesus? That will start on the 26th. Okay? And, uh, and so again, I'm not going to go in depth other than to leave you with this verse. Philemon 1.6 says this, And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for a full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. The key insight from this verse is that there's some things you can't know about the Christian life unless you share your faith. There's just some things that don't become real. There's some things that don't make sense until you share. There is something about watching the person sitting across from you on a coffee table and watching the kingdom of God being born in them that you cannot capture in any other way other than sharing your faith like that. And you know something about God when you watch that happen. And so all of us need to be praying, God, give me somebody to share my faith with. It doesn't necessarily even mean that they have to come to Christ. It's in the sharing of your faith that you learn something. Some of us have this opportunity when Mormons come to our door. And we get nervous and anxious. And blah, 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 right? And some of us have practice and we share and have a conversation. And we realize we get stronger because we've rehearsed it. We've got it figured out. There's something about sharing your faith that's really powerful. It activates, in other words, what I'm saying is, it activates something. It kicks something off. It gets something started. It's, it's a catalyst for something that otherwise can't happen. So we're going to get ready for celebrating communion. Uh, online family, if you would get the elements ready now and, and begin to prepare, church family here, right? They're next to you. Make sure you've got them. Make sure you can get them open. I cheated. I opened mine before the service this time. All right, we've talked about the ABCs of the Christian life. And the problem with that is that it very quickly can become a to-do list. Here's four to-do things. Here's Add some more to your list this fall and get some more things done. That's not the heart of it at all. But the four things we covered were quiet times, prayer, fellowship, and sharing your faith. And the backdrop for this was how summer can throw us out of sync or out of rhythm with the Lord, and we can experience the twisties. As we think about communion, I want you to think about communion today. As we think about communion, 
Think of where it happened, right? It was in an upstairs room. It was away from the crowds. Uh, There were nobody else there but the disciples. It was a very intimate setting. It was very connected. It was very bonding. It wasn't flashy or techno or any of that stuff. Didn't even have a sound system. Can you believe it? Pull off communion without a sound system. Wow. It was just Jesus and his disciples. They were in relationship with each other. Close would be a good mental picture. Here's the point. Jesus is not just interested in performance. It's not a to-do list. I do not do all these things so that God loves me, hopefully. It is this way. God has loved me. Therefore, I do all these things out of gratefulness for his love. And that's what we have to remember to communion. As we come into the fall, I wanted communion this morning to be more than we just take the elements. I wanted communion to be, hey, church, we've got a chance to reset. We've got a chance to reset the dial on these four things. One of them may stand out more to you than the others. But it's a chance to think about intimacy with the Lord this fall. Jesus, as I said, is not just interested in performance. He's interested in presence, your presence, with him. Not just head ascent. What does it look like? Well, Jesus describes it this way in John 15. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am in the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. And so it's not so much doing this fall that will make a difference. It's abiding this fall that will make such a difference. A lot of us are very good at doing. We're not very good at abiding. Why? Well, it cuts across a basic American principle, get or done. Right? We are a get-or-done group of people. We're not good with patience. And so anything that slows down and stops, we get edgy. If I said, let's be silent for 15 seconds, wow, that's a long time. Right? But presence, being with, is abiding. Communion is abiding. Communion's not just a one-time event we do once a month. Communion with God is our walk with God. We are in communion with him. So there, this is a symbol of the realities. And the question this morning is, do you have the twisties this morning? Did you relate to anything that talked about in this message? Is there a gap in your abiding with Jesus? Well, before we go to communion, both here and online, you can do this in your home, let's just take a moment to be with him. 1 Corinthians says, examine yourselves before you come to communion. Is there a gap? Well, just admit the gap. Yep, peg me, got me. Lord, that's me right there. Ask him to forgive. Ask him to close the gap. So let's do that this morning. Let's actually do that at home. I'm going to ask you to do it as well. Just bow your heads, right? Be in your own space. And just ask the Lord if you've got the twisties. And if there's anything that needs to be closed.
I'm going to give us about 30 seconds for you to commune with Jesus before we take the symbol. Father, this morning we come to you. Restore our balance. Restore our presence with you. Restore relationship. Your manifest presence is welcome among us. We seek you that you'd help us to be who we can be in you. Pray that you'd bring to life the things that are dead and kill the things that should die. We pray this fall that we would abide in you. Lord, we seek you for that. And as we come to communion, it's with a spirit of gratefulness and thankfulness. Thank you for your everlasting patience with us. Thank you for your everlasting kindness. Thank you for being a good father. Holy Spirit, thank you for being a good coach. Jesus, thank you for being extraordinarily sacrificial and, and making yourself an offering that should have been us. God, we bless you for that. And Jesus said, this picture is going to remain with you as long as I'm in heaven, and I will not take it again until I come back to get you. And he said, this is my body, which was broken for you. Eat this in memory of me. And he took the cup. said, this cup is a symbol of my sin. A symbol of sin, not his sin, our sin. Symbol of sin. It's for the remission of sins, to wash it away. That's why our sins can be washed away. He says, drink this in memory of me. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up and close us out. And as they do, would you join me in prayer? Father, this morning we seek your heart. I'm seeking your heart for, I believe, Lord, that this message was meant for people and that it's accurate and that it pins something that will have alerted them to close the gap. And I seek you for that, Lord, that you will have a conversation with us. You're not limited by here. You're not limited at home. You can reach all of us here listening, all on TV watching, Lord. And so we seek you for us as a family. Be working among us. Speak to us. May we get in the word. May we pray. If we've been doing that regular consistency, may we continue. But may we check motive. Not a have to, a get to. Lord, we seek you for intimacy with you. And we ask for this in your name. Amen.